high net worth donors and what fundraisers need to know. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjukevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined once again by my colleague, Dr. Patrick Rooney, the Executive Associate Dean at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. And Patrick has an extensive research portfolio, including being a pioneer, bringing his expertise in economics into the philanthropic sector to conduct primary pathbreaking research on high net worth donors. And that expertise is captured in chapter 32 of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, in terms of what we need to know about charitable giving from high net worth households. And Patrick, great to have you back with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. Thanks, Bill. Happy to be here. And again, you've devoted literally decades of research time to this topic. What are some of the key themes that you have seen consistently about high net worth donors and their charitable giving? One one of the key themes that came out of the first study and repeats itself since then is that, guess what? High net worth people give and and they give a lot, right? Now, maybe they don't give as much as we would like. Maybe they don't give as much as some people think they ought to, but maybe they give more than we might have any good reason to expect. And so one of the things that really cracked me up. So in the very first study, it was something like 97% of high net worth households gave. And we define high net worth households as having income of $200,000 or more and investable net worth of a million dollars or more, not including their primary residence, okay? So, and some people would argue those thresholds are too low, but this was at that time, that was really the top 3% of income earners and top 3% plus or minus of wealth holders in the United States at that time. Now it's about the top 5%. So we get this result that 97% of um, donors give in the first wave of data. And it's been 90 to 95%, you know, every year since then. So one of the findings is upwards of 90%, 95% of these high net worth households donate and that's significant because the American average right now is about 55%. So these households disproportionately give more often, more frequently, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They're giving, they're much more likely to give it all. And they're giving a larger share of their income often. And they're giving larger absolute dollar amounts, you know, by orders of magnitude. And Patrick, what does the research show? Are there any distinctions in terms of where those donations go? Are there distinctions by race and ethnicity? What, what are some of those categories that you see as the the data the data emerge? Yeah. So one of the things, and and you know, you'll see in the chapter that we try to walk through what are the differences uh, by subsector, religion, secular, and then subsets of secular health, human services, and so on. And we, we look at the kind of mean and median amounts, um, but we also look at um, giving by white versus um, uh, men, women, white, communities of color, Hispanics. Um, and we also look at uh, giving instruments. So do they use a foundation? Do they use a donor advice fund and so on and so forth? I think one of the things that it's important to keep in mind is um, that, you know, philanthropy manifests itself in many ways. And in the Bank of America study, we primarily focus on the giving of time and money. 
Um, but we spend most of our efforts focused on on time. We don't talk about, um, and these are formal gifts through a 501c3. So we're not talking about giving to help your child or your grandchild. We're not talking about giving to help the homeless person on the corner or mowing the yard for the little lady next door and not charging her and so so on. So that those types of informal and philanthropy, and it's not because they're not important. Those types of informal and philanthropy are very important in terms of the bonding of society, um, overlapping generational um, you know, support, but also uh, keeping the peace in the family, keeping the peace in the society. Uh, they play an important informal role. But this is strictly looking at giving to 501c3s, legal charities. And uh, they give to a wide range of uh, destinations. Is that correct? Yeah. So, Bill, we looked at um, in this in this survey, we looked at everything ranging from mass mosque, synagogue, congregation to um, combined purposes like United Ways, Jewish federations, um, basic needs. So, you know, feeding the hungry, housing the homeless, uh, youth, health, which might be um, health care, but it also might be basic research on uh you know, breast cancer research or testicular cancer research. Um, we looked at K through K, K through 12 education as well as higher education because most of the money goes through, uh, most of the philanthropic dollars go through uh, charities to higher educational institutions that goes to education. But libraries and K through 12, um, uh, you know, that's a growing area and people yeah. want to know. And so, uh, we're providing data on that arts and culture. We did add um, questions about social or racial uh, social justice, um, following some of the uh, tragedies in our society. We also look at environment and animals um, separately and combined, um, international aid, disaster relief, and then because of COVID, guess what? We had a question about COVID, and uh, so uh, there you go. And so if you're a fundraiser, whatever subsector of the philanthropic sector you're in, the high net worth donors are there uh, contributing. Patrick, there's also uh, an interesting question about vehicles of giving. Do high net worth donors just give cash? Do they also give out of their wealth and assets? Do they use vehicles like donor advised funds? Um, help us understand the giving behavior from this demographic. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is an area where I think... Um, is both intriguing because, you know, how many articles have we read in in the scholarly research and in the popular, and I say popular, philanthropic news media that is about private foundations, donor advised funds, um, giving circles, things like that. And yet, let me just walk you through quickly the incidence of these things. So, um, and keep in mind, the high net worth households, they are the ones, if anybody's going to have them, it's going to be this group, right? So um, 9% of high net worth households have some type of formal giving vehicle aside from their family checkbook, okay? Mm -hmm. And their average amount of donation of, the, of those 9.2% is um, almost $24,000 per family. That's the average. 5% have a family foundation, 6.6% um, have a donor advice fund, 7.4% have a planned giving instrument. So that might be a will, might be a charitable remainder trust, 
um, you know, it could be any number of, of, of plan giving v- instruments. And Patrick, when we look at high net worth donors, then, you know, 10% or fewer have a lot of these more formal vehicles like donor advised funds and foundations, which means they are donating out of their cash, but also assets like stocks or maybe other items of valuable property. So it's something for fundraisers to keep in mind, along with this interesting dynamic about volunteering. High net worth donors report at a much higher percentage that they volunteer, uh, a percentage that's higher than the general public. Help us understand that finding and how that translates into their charitable giving behaviors. Yeah, yeah, good question, Bill. So about a quarter of Americans, Joe and Susie Citizen, volunteer formally through a 501c3. Again, this is formal volunteering. This is not, you know, dog sitting for Betty Lou's dog or Grandma Jones's cat or whatever. But this is through a 501c3, about a quarter of Americans. Just under a third, about 30% of high net worth households volunteer. And one of the things we see is that the hours that some of these high net worth households volunteer are extraordinary. Now, it's pretty easy to do the math on this. You know, one, many of them have enough money that they don't need to keep working. Two, many of them are smart, smart, smart people, and they don't want to, you know, you know, glow into this jello blob that sits on the sofa and has their brain deteriorate. One of our economists and and uh, did a paper looking at um the the rate of decay of your mental functioning and if you stay intellectually engaged after you retire your rate of decay is is very flat if you just disengage from problem solving your problem solving function in your brain goes falls off the page and so volunteerism is a really healthy both mentally and emotionally uh, way to stay engaged and on top of it, it's good for the charities because the charities are more likely to receive gifts from people who volunteer for them than people who do not. So we could see that they have just more disposable time on their hands. They want to stay active for their own you know, mental and physical health reasons. And there also could be a little bit of this undercover boss. You know, we kind of check out this charity mm-hmm. before I make a, a significant <laughs> gift. And these are the types of findings that we see in Chapter 32 of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, authored by Patrick Rooney and his colleagues. Uh, And as you read this chapter, we want you to keep in mind that all donors are important. All gifts are important. We need to fundraise across our entire donor pyramid. But also, it's important to see what distinctions we see with high net worth donors. Uh, We have a course specifically on major gift fundraising at the fundraising school as part of our certificate in fundraising management, one of four certificates we offer, nearly two dozen public courses. And we can take our curriculum and tailor that specifically for your nonprofit, your association, your county, your region, through our custom training programs. We can do this in person. We can do this online. We have quarterly webinars. We have these free weekly podcasts. And again, also the textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising. All this information on our website at philanthropy.iuei.edu forward slash the fundraising school. So grateful to my colleague, Dr. Patrick Rooney, for sharing his expertise today. Uh, we're grateful for our producers, Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm-hmm.